Welcome to BizBytes, brought to you by Com Together, helping businesses like yours build their brand through telling amazing stories to engage and grow audiences on multiple platforms. Well, hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of BizBytes. I have a special guest with me today that I've got to know a little bit over the last year or so, and I know that he's going to make a fascinating guest for us this afternoon or whenever you are listening to the program. So uh, welcome, Neil. And uh, as we like to do, I'll let you introduce yourself to the audience. Well, thank you, Anthony. It's it's great to be along. Um, I'm the Managing Director at Contract Right, and I also... Um, I'm a board member at a company called Recruit Force. Contract right is, is where my day-to-day activities lie, my passion lies. Um, during my corporate career, I've worked across a lot of industries, uh, not limited by the building construction industry, manufacturing, uh, business performance improvement, FMCG. And what I have done and built upon uh, um, was consulting in the contractor compliance space. That's where um, my last 15 or 16 years have been involved. And um, it all came about because of a need to find a solution for a client who was um, under investigation from the ATO, um, a need to find a solution to the engagement of labour within his business. And uh, effectively, that's been my focus for the uh, resulting period of time. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, how sometimes uh, circumstances lead you down a particular path and uh, then, you know, suddenly you find yourself in it with, a, with a business that you didn't imagine that you'd have only a few years, short years before. You know, Anthony, that's so true. And it all came about uh, when... You know, I'd gotten out of the um, <laughs> the hurly-burly of the corporate world and uh, my background was strategy. And um, I was working with a, a building company, helping them unravel uh, some issues with their marketing and the direction the building was taken from a strategic point of view. And um, the ATO um, investigator was actually in the office doing an audit relating to GST. And he turned around to the managing director and he said, all these people you've got over here working as contractors should really be employees. You better do something about it. Um, And the MD, Richard, turned to me and he said, goodness me, what does that mean? Well, that sent me on a journey of discovery um, in understanding the various uh, rules, regulations, the Tax Act and everything that relates to the now um, deployment of non-employment-based labour. Over the years, our model has grown and changed. And, you know, we do um, different things from just compliance uh, um, of 15 or 16 years ago. Yeah, I I think it's the interesting thing, isn't it, that the workforce has changed quite dramatically. And, um, you know, the obvious thing that people talk about is is the the work from home, um, you know, and I and uh, you know, I know from the personal point of view, I've been spending time working from home for such a long time that um, nothing changed when COVID happened because I'd already been working full time from home for some years. But even when I was employed years ago, 
um, you know, I was able to to have that opportunity to do it when it was kind of frowned upon in many respects. But now it's become almost a demand from a lot of workers to have at least some time working from home. But it's also changed the nature of the relationships, therefore, between uh, employers and employees and how that, you know, might function because that traditional model of you go to work in an office nine to five doesn't really, I mean, it does exist to some extent, but it doesn't need to follow that format anymore. You know, it's interesting you say that. There was an article in the Weekend Australian a fortnight ago um, which was saying that a lot of businesses are moving back to um, contracting labour. Um, and that might be for short-term projects. Um, and the 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 actual, the most interesting part was that the, the article actually recommended that people consider this because there are... Um, there is the ability for those people to actually earn more in a short space of time, but also be able to move on to other contracting work because businesses were moving away from looking at traditional employment. I, I found it quite a fascinating article. Um, whilst there were issues relevant to, like you say, working from home, um, the the notion that that was going to be the norm is changing. Um, what businesses are finding is that productivity is decreasing, um, not exponentially, but because people are, are, are actually missing the, the office buzz, the communication, they're, they're finding that um, interactions are still very important. However, I do say there are um, obviously... Um, people like yourself that, that have been working for home and do it from home um, quite successfully. One of the other things that's, that's occurred, Anthony, that I find interesting is that businesses that I'm talking to and are approaching us are um, um, actually under pressure to pay people more when they're um, they're not able to. They don't have an ability. You know, their their people are um, um, finding it tougher with interest rates going up and inflation um, to live. So businesses are looking for um, options, and it's quite interesting that um, you know, in one of our models, we can actually um, ethically show that it's possible to re-engage labour or engage new labour. Um, and save money and pay the people more. Um, it's something that has become a, a little bit of a phenomenon. And let me example um, how that came about, if that's okay. Mm, please. Uh, yeah, we, we um, um, worked with a company some, some years ago doing some uh, compliance work, uh, re-engaging people, uh, making sure that everything was uh, lawful, ethical and met the tax office and the industrial relations um, requirements. And the, um, uh, the the executive I was talking to was saying, look, our growth has been so slow. We get under pressure for people to uh, be paid more and we just don't have an ability to do that. And um, he said to me, is there an alternative? Well, we built some spreadsheets and we showed him that managed contracting was a, um, a very viable option. 
And, um, you know, we worked with that company uh, to uh, put that model into place for some people, not for everybody. Now, that, that was a few years ago, and, and we let that lie until probably a year ago when um, a, um, a company that we were talking to said, look, we're under real pressure. We're, we're having to shed people. Um, we are uh, in a position where, you know, we've got people we want to keep, um, but we can't afford to pay them anymore. And I said, well, look, we did work with the model some years ago and we're actually going to revamp it. So what we did was um, um, I hired the services of an industrial mathematician, got a group of people together, and we built a um, um, an interesting bit of IP, which is a calculator that allows us to determine the benefit of offering an individual a different way to be uh, deployed within a, uh, a business operation. And that's a managed contractor. They're paid more. Um, there are productivity improvements that become apparent. And the calculator actually gives us a clear data-based comparison between employment and managed contracting as far as it affects the business and saves them money and also pays that individual more. Um, it's fascinating. Um, the data is provided by the client. Uh, we don't invent it. So they have ownership of the results. So it's an interesting phenomenon. We're building that um, into a, a model which actually sits outside of the award system. If a, if a business yeah. is having difficulty with complexity, uh, we can eliminate that. So it's a it's a different view on the uh, contracting model. Yeah, and I think that's a it is a really important point, isn't it? Because traditionally, the model for employment is pretty simple in that you pay them a salary. There you have holiday mm -hmm. leave, superannuation, sick leave, mm -hmm. uh, entitlements, etc. Uh, on top of that, it's a it's a package. Sometimes there are some other entitlements in there to to that mm -hmm. may move that package slightly sure. in terms of its value worth, but it's a package. And uh, what that means is that uh, the employee employee is basically in the hands of the employer. Yes. That it's yep. it's that mm -hmm. traditional idea of you go to work and you do what you are told within reason and you operate within that environment. The challenge that I think that you've started to address is this idea that people as employees want a little bit more control. And one of the challenges that I think that happened during the, uh, the COVID period was that many people decided that they would create their own business. But in effect, all they really did was create another job for themselves. Mm. So the idea of now moving back into a fully employed role doesn't necessarily appeal, but the idea of contracting has a, some significant advantages for, for people, doesn't it? I mean, it's not just the business's sure. benefit. It's, it's, mm. It is a win-win scenario, mm. though there are some factors, and I think that's to be clear as well, that by being a contractor are taken out of the equation that, you know, benefits that you might get as as employed and you have to weigh those two things up. The other way to look at it, Anthony, is that as an employee, you pay an individual, um, you know, for 260-odd days of the of the full year, 
uh, when in effect they're not productive for many of those days, you know, 20 days annual leave and um, public holidays and, um, you know, you have all sorts of other leave entitlements. Um, one of the things that we've noticed is that some businesses um, have people that um, don't take holidays, so they have um, accruals on their balance sheet and um, those people, even though they don't take holidays, still want to be paid more income. So um, it's possible to totally um, move uh, those balance sheets um, uh, items, uh, you know, with um, annual leave, et cetera, pay them out effectively in a contracting model um, where the individual is paid for the days that they work or um, however it may be structured. And productivity increases. They get more money because they're paid at a higher rate and their outcomes are um, better managed. So, we, look, we, we're um, building some quite interesting business models specifically tailored for um, a particular industry or a um, particular project. It's, it's quite fascinating how you can actually uh, show a person that they have significant gains and a business has significant gains in a real win-win. So yeah. that, that, was, that was the the feasibility behind the calculator in, in building quite a sophisticated model. And it's interesting in all of the um, people that we've worked with their data thus far, um, not one of them has um, said the outcome is not correct. In fact, I had an engineer who knew the cost of his labor his um, employed labor and we compared how we arrived at that how um uh, calculations using his data and he pulled out his spreadsheets and there was about a one percent difference so it was quite amazing um yeah. but, but a lot of businesses don't think that way they don't they don't rationalize the total cost of employment and think about um, productivity and how you can in, in, increase the revenue um, of the individual, their income and their earnings, um, but also um, remove balance sheet items and save the business money. It, it, it's logical, but not necessarily um, recognised. I think that one of the reasons that that happens is a reason that a lot of things happen in business uh, and in personal life for as, as well, that there are certain things that we don't tend to challenge. We do what we've seen and what we've noticed um, happening over the years, whether it's, um, you know, other, our peers or whether it's our family. And that's the, we, we make decisions based on those ideas. So you're in business, you need, you need help. So you employ someone and you employ someone in that traditional, in that traditional way. Mm. And um, I, I think that the more that, people stop and question the logic behind their own decisions, the more that they will see that they are open to other ideas. Now, it doesn't mean that contracting is right for every business, and I'm sure you'd be the first to say it's not. Mm, that's but, mm. uh, but certainly worth the consideration, whereas I think that that's, and I think that's one of the byproducts now that's happening of the, all of the changes that have occurred over the last couple of years in particular, is that, people have to start and, re and and stop, I should say, and re-examine their decision-making process. What is, the, what is any decision actually based on? Is it actually based on, uh, you know, what 
are the options in the marketplace or is it based on, uh, you know, an internal bias? And mm. more often than not, the answer is the internal bias. You know, it's interesting you say that, um, Anthony. When I, I look at the, the, the people we're talking to, the business owners, the, the you know, general managers, CEOs that we're talking to today, um, it's interesting. They fall into different categories and, and they are thinking differently. Um, for example, we might talk to someone um, or a business that's under pressure to raise the wages, but they don't have capacity. Well, we have an option for them. Um, or a business that is enmeshed in the complexity of award inhibitors. Ethically, they want to move outside of those inhibitors, um, not pay people less, but, but have more operational flexibility. Uh, we have a way of working with them. Um, there is um, also businesses that may want to move away from a traditional form of employment and engage contractors but want to do that ethically and lawfully. Well, we have a way to work with them. So it, it's, a, it, it's, it's an interesting world in industrial relations at, at the moment. We have... Um, um, uh, a lot of pressure being put on businesses to change, for example, casual um, employment into more um, uh, permanent employment. That doesn't suit every business model. Mm. So those people have to rethink perhaps how they engage their labour. And again, we have a solution, but it's not for everyone. I, you know, we're, we're not an across the board, yes, well, we can walk on water type of business, no. Um, we're very ethical and very selective with who we work with. Um, and there has to be a, a, you know, a rationale for a business to be thinking differently and, and needing to change. Um, so we're not a solution for everyone, but um, we certainly enjoy uh, a pretty good following. <laughs> well, I, uh, I wanted to uh, also take a, a bit of a step back from that to understand the journey of how you got to there. So take me back to um, uh, early days, oh, okay. uh, whether it's high school or university <laughs> or where it was. What what was the what was the original dream? What did you want to get into? Because I can't oh, okay. imagine it was this. Uh, that's interesting. I grew up in Melbourne, had a good education, and I'm grateful for something that my dad did. Um, every school holiday insisted I went to work, um, you know, when I was, um, you know, near a teenager, to work with one of his mates. Um, so over the years, I dug holes with Reg the plumber. Um, I worked on car repairs with Jack the mechanic, went painting and wallpapering with George and his team. Um, and these experiences taught me some really wonderful life and thinking skills and kept me off the streets. Um, however, there was one adventure um, that I'll dwell on later. Um, after year 12 and an attempt at university, one of my dad's um, contacts teed me up uh, an interview at BP Australia, and I was offered a cadetship. Um, one of the toughest gigs at BP's internal sales department was to manage complaints about um, heating oil charges and deliveries. It was, it was tough. And it had been a revolving door of um, young personnel who couldn't handle the stress and, and pressure. And individuals didn't last a really long time, three, maybe six months in that role. 
Um, I was thrown into it, and after 18 months, um, they decided to um, move me to another area. Frankly, I'd done a great job and learned a great deal in the process. I I was very fortunate that my boss, um, Norm Batters, he was a true gentleman. He understood public relations and that people were very critical uh, to the to the success of his area of sales. And he used to recommend uh, reading material to me. You know, sharpen yourself up, lad, um, was his general um, approach. And he lent me some of his books. And the one that really changed my thinking was The Power of Positive Thinking by Norman Vincent Peale. Mm-hmm. Um so much so, I gave the book back to Norm um, and decided to resign and um, seek a role in direct sales. Um, and this is where my dad's insistence on, um, you know, working and uh, over school holidays came in. Um, I'd actually spent some time uh, working for a guy called Hugh Oliver, who was one of the founders of um, Oliver Hume Real Estate in Melbourne. And during my school holiday work, I was fascinated by the uh, project research and development aspects of the um, their business model. Um, so, so when I when I left BP, I um, asked Hugh if I could have a job, um, and he said, "Yeah, come on board." And he was a fabulous mentor. Um, he taught me a, a lot about life and also about running a business. Unfortunately, Hugh passed away in his early 50s and I was left with a decision to make as um, his family decided to sell the business. And at that stage in my um, late 20s, I was brash and full of self-belief. And in spite of... That's unusual um, for a 20-year-old, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Well, in spite of family objections, I decided to um, leave Oliver Hume and strike out on my own. And it was a bit like um, I didn't know how to fly. I didn't know that I couldn't fly, so I did. Um, Over a number of years, I built a very successful business around project research and development. And it was during that period of time my parents actually moved to Queensland. Um, So I was blessed with um, holidaying with them. And the itch to move became too great. Um, so I, I sold um, the business, um, moved to Queensland, and this took me in a different direction into the corporate world, uh, working overseas, taking time to study an MBA uh, with a focus on strategy. And um, um, it was through various national and international roles that I, I developed the, uh, the understanding of uh, a, a very strategic approach to to business, and ultimately, um, when I decided through too much travel, too much pressure to get out of the corporate world, um, I set up my uh, own business in 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 strategy and business improvement, and that ultimately took me into the contract and compliance space. So that's pretty much a, a, a nutshell of uh, where I've come from, Anthony. I, I love the journey, but I particularly love the idea of what your dad did in in, in mm. picking and choosing these different um, friends to, to, you know, really hands-on kind of uh, stuff. So what, what did your dad do? Uh, my, my dad um, was a um, regular army officer, <laughs> very, very big on discipline and making sure that, um, you know, um, 
idle hands didn't get themselves into trouble, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and certainly and certainly getting you some uh, hands-on approaches in a few different um, in a few mm. different industries there. And I, it, it's a, it's an incredibly um, great perspective to have because I think you know of those kinds of businesses that you named in those early days, those all of those businesses traditionally have you know oper- well quite often operate on subcontract contracting kind of levels mm-hmm. um, very much people focused and about um uh you know they they've i guess to some degree the exceptions to the rules in the, in that the majority of people think about business as going into a place and doing stuff um mm. whereas when you are you know a painter plumber etc you're going out to other people's places all the time so you have some of that flexibility that in terms of you know where you might stop and have lunch mm. and all of that kind of thing along the way, and so I think that whole idea of seeing uh, what things could look different has obviously you know had a long term impact on you in terms of uh, where you've taken this you know this current business. Well, you know it's, it's interesting, Anthony. I, I really bless my dad um, because he, you know he had the foresight um, to think well you know. Um, build build a skill base, build a base out of uh, those experiences as a young man, um, and and you know they proved to be um, well beneficial. I, we we built a boat, <laughs> you know we 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 I, and I built a ski boat. We we um, spent a lot of time on Phillip Island in Victoria, and some of the skills that I learned in mechanical and and um, you know being. Uh, forced to use my hands, so to speak, um, created a thinking process, you know, a logic, if you like, mm. um, and that's stood me pretty well over the years. So, yeah, I, I do owe a lot to um, to my dad and, and building those can-do attitudes and skills in me. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's amazing what impact our, our um, parents can have in terms of the way they work and and what you do, and I think there are two ways that it happens. It either exactly like you've experienced, you've had, where probably some similarities there in terms of a very hands-on and roll up the sleeves and and mm. and uh, and learn from that. Um, my father was a pharmacist, um, completely the opposite of one another. Where every, for every bit of logic that he has, I'm just creative. Um, but uh, but uh, we learnt early on, and we learnt early on in the piece that our career paths were not going mm-hmm. to be the same. But it's uh, but still, um, you know, I spent a fair bit of time working in his pharmacy and learning things and learning about people and seeing how that interaction happens and that personable approach. And I think there's such a, a big influence that um, our parents can have on the way that our careers turn out. And I find it endlessly fascinating that hearing those stories and and the impact that it's had. Um, I, I wanted to to wrap things up by asking a question that uh, I, I guess I kind of put to most of our, uh, our guests on the on the program is it's about an aha moment that clients have with you and and um, I think from what you've spoken about today that clearly there are there is a potential aha moment that when they go through a calculator, um, but I'm thinking that that is an initial burst. It is the more of the uh, hut moment that happens is once this thing is actually starting to work for them, that they're actually seeing the results because it's one thing, the financial side is one thing on paper, but it's the results of what happens with the, 
with the person that mm-hmm. is now working for the business that is probably mm-hmm. the greater aha moment I would imagine and it's and it's one that I, I guess you would want more people to understand now that that's something they're going to have. Um, Anthony, look, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, the bottom line is the bottom line, and when we um, because of the nature of our model, uh, we have very long relationships with our clients. They last years, um, so we are able to physically see the benefit um, of those relationships. And we certainly get some extraordinarily positive feedback. Um, There is another aha moment that comes before that. And it's the aha moment that is encompassed by the thinking that there um, is no option to engage labour other than by employment. And when when people find out that there are options and that they do have significant benefits attached to them, it's an aha moment. Um, And again, um, not everybody sees it that way, but those that do uh, very much uh, embrace it. Mm -hmm. Well, Neil, I I know that lots of people will come to you and have those aha moments, uh, particularly (laughs) as time goes on, because Mm -hmm. I think the model that you have is one that really needs to be considered by anyone that's employing people and to work out if it's right for them or not. But I think the point is, is that it's a a model that's definitely worth considering. And I I think that ultimately um, people all around are the ones that benefit. Uh, This is not about trying to, um, I guess, rot a system and and write Mm. it in a particular way to grab Mm. some financial benefit. Uh, it's it's not that at all. It is a different way of thinking, and it's one that does benefit everybody and in the right circumstances. And uh, you know, I think it's a terrific initiative. And uh, I definitely we, we will be putting in the show notes as we always do all the ways and means to get in contact with you. And uh, sure. I encourage people to spend a bit of time and talking to Neil. Um, uh, I know I have done that over the last year or so, and will continue to do that. There's a uh, one other mm-hmm. little. Uh, thing that I would certainly like to mention of Neil is a terrific networker and uh, has this endless degree of people that he can he can uh, hook you up with. So I think that uh, I encourage you all to reach out to Neil and uh, thank you so much for being a terrific guest on BizBytes. Hey, thank you, Anthony. And there's one thing that I think is excellent about what we do. Um, in certain circumstances, we let the calculator do the talking, not ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thank you. I appreciate your time. Absolute pleasure. And uh, everyone, stay tuned for the next episode of BizBytes coming soon. BizBytes is brought to you by Com Together for all your marketing needs so you can build your brand engage audiences on multiple platforms go to comtogether.com.au follow the links to book an appointment for a free consultation